Uh, this morning we have a special treat, and she doesn't need any kind of introduction, but I always think it's nice for us to say nice things about each other in public so that we can hear them. Uh, you know, when I think about sanctuary staff, one of the weird things that you have to do is like imagine titles for people who have different jobs. And uh, when we were thinking about our, our kids' ministry and what exactly that looks like and the kind of work that goes into caring for our kids, um, there have been a lot of different titles that have been attached to that position. And usually, uh, I mean, a couple of things that usually happen, right? Usually it's a woman who's in that position and their title usually ends in some kind of like director or organizer or something like that. And when I was thinking about who is fulfilling that role for sanctuary, knowing that it's Deacon Shelby, um, I said, you know what, Shelby is not an organizer. She is not a director. I mean, she's capable of doing both of those kinds of things, but she's a pastor. And for those of us who have kids here at Sanctuary and we're fortunate enough to have them in Shelby's care, you know that Shelby does such an amazing job pastoring our kids. And so I'm really excited to hear from her today because she doesn't have things just to say to our children. She has a, a word for all of us. And so this morning, let's welcome our very own Reverend Deacon Shelby Swanson. Thank you all so much. Um, it's very special getting to be in a community like this. It is still so rare to be in a church community where they would ask any females to come up, let alone a children's pastor, to speak to adults. Um, and a, a few weeks ago, I was talking to our kids, and we talk a lot with our kids and teens about the similarities um, amongst different denominations and um, the things that unite us um, and try not so much to focus on the things that make us all different. Um, and that is wonderful. Um, and I'm glad to always hear their feedback and their surprise when they even realize that there are differences. But recently, um, they were asking me if we were a different denomination, and I said, no, we're not. And they were asking, well, really, why? Well, what's, why, why are we not that? What's the difference? Like, why would there even be different names? And one of the things I brought up was, well, that denomination does not believe in um, women leading any, anyone else or preaching or teaching anyone other than other women and children. And they were floored. They were disgusted. They were like, what? Are you serious? And I was delighted because I felt like we really did our job. So good job, everyone. Um, and I'm, again, so thankful, especially for, of course, Reverend Janice and the leaders in this um, community that lay that foundation and make it normal for our children because that's what we want to see. We want them to grow up in a world where we're experiencing um, truth and the reflection of God in all people and not only in um, certain types of people. So thank you um, to all of you sitting over here that lead this congregation and have founded it and to be a welcoming environment for all of us. I'm so thankful. Um, so yes, yeah, some of you, most of you I've met and I know you and I get to lead your children and it may sound crazy to you, but I, um, it's always been my dream job to be a children's minister and um, pastor to children's and children and teenagers. Um, and so getting to love your kids and be a part of this community, it, it is an absolute dream come true to me. Um, I've been here for about 11 years, which means that I have actually memorized all of Bishop Ed's analogies from all of his sermons. <laughs> 
And so um, if you stay around long enough, you realize there's really not that many of them. But, there, but he's, he's very, very creative, and he finds ways to use the same little anecdotes in different ways. So actually, it sounds like a dig, but I have a lot of respect for that. It's very impressive, actually. Um, but one of those that I love and I use often with our children is um, this idea of God hiding. Um, Bishop Ed has painted this picture of this really playful God that likes to play hide and seek. And if you've been here for many, many years, he has um, at times kind of, you maybe would see him like hiding behind these flowers and then like jumping out to kind of illustrate it. Um, but I don't know, maybe your knees are bad. You don't do those things anymore. Um, anyway. <laughs> But it is, it's, quite, it's, quite a fun, uh, it's quite fun imagery to think of God as this playful, playful guy who's like playing hide and seek and jumping out and surprising us at different times in our lives, um, giving us these glimmers of hope and excitement and showing us who he is in the world. Um, in the kids department, we call these God sightings. Um, and God sightings are things that remind us that God is with us that he is in the world, he's in these situations, he's um, all around us if we look. And it always reveals again a bit about who he is. Um, in preparation to speak to you all, I was honestly not super thrilled when I looked at what gospel text was today, but when I started reading some of the other um, text in the lectionary, I started to see some God sightings and I started to see some common threads kind of strung together throughout these texts. We've already read um, the gospel text, this story of the Pharisees trying to trap Jesus by asking him this question about taxes. Here Jesus is basically being hunted by not only the Pharisees, but many groups of people um, leading up to him being arrested and crucified. The Pharisees are trying to figure out how to get rid of Jesus. And so they're like, okay, let's get him. Let's ask him about taxes and let's get him to admit he's not gonna pay, that'll do it. And then Jesus just absolutely destroys them by saying, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God, God's. And then it's, it states, when the Pharisees heard this, they were amazed and they left him and went away. So first of all, Jesus is, of course, as he does, just impressing everyone here and untrapping himself. Um, and once again, doing exactly what everyone was not expecting him to do. Secondly, he's saying, I'm not concerned with money. Why would I try to keep a hold of something that isn't mine? And third, he's saying that some things belong to God. We can also see this comparison here um, that there are things that bear the image of the world or not God, and um, those things belonging to the world, but those other th that there are other things that bear the image of God, like us, that belong to God. Another cool text um, from this week's readings are, was from Isaiah 45, verse two through seven. I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and riches hidden in secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I surname you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I arm you, though you do not know me. I form light and create darkness. I make wheel and create woe. 
I, the Lord, do all these things. So here through Isaiah's word, we're, words, we're gaining this insight into who God is. He's strong. He is the defender of us. He will do miracles and break barriers for us. He tells us that we are called by name. We are his chosen people. He's mighty and able and with us. And the Lord does every good thing. Finally, I want to read um, this text from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just like you know what kind of persons we proved to be among for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. In every place, your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serving a living and true God. In each of these texts, I see a common theme. Though they're written by different people, many, many years apart, different times, different purposes, and they each still carry the same truths about God choosing and calling his people and each of us being examples of who God is. This is a very simple thing to understand here, that we bear the image of God, that each of us has been chosen, each of us created to reflect to the world unique qualities of God Almighty. We are chosen and called with a purpose. This idea is talked about so much that it's become cliche in the Christian world, and it's almost something I didn't even want to talk about, because it's like, we all know this. It's easy to know. But for me, and maybe you too, the difficult thing here is to grasp that I, as I try my hardest to white knuckle it and faithfully be a Christian and reflect God to the world as best as I can, I feel completely unworthy. Like everything bad about myself is covering up every good thing about God that's in me. It can be really hard to see ourselves as so valuable that God would actually choose us, call us by name, when we're constantly doing things that do horrible injustices to who God truly is. When I think sometimes about reflecting the image of God, I imagine looking in a mirror and just seeing the bags under my eyes from getting up and feeding my baby. I think about all the things that I left undone in the day and how many times I wasn't as loving or intentional as I should have been. That's not a reflection of God that I want to give out into the world. This season of my life personally, and maybe some of you feel the same, I feel like a tornado just sucking everyone and thing around me into just this vortex of chaos. And being responsible for reflecting God's image to the world, it seems like a lot of pressure that I am just not sure I'm up for. I think we all have these times when feeling like a human, or being a human, it feels like we're just constantly trapped in these impossible circumstances. 
Um, it's impossible to make the right choice. It's impossible to be what everyone is asking us to be and to do what everyone's asking us to do and to live up to the expectations that are all around us. One area that I have been feeling this a lot in the last few months are in my job as a volleyball coach. Um, I don't know if many of you have ever tried to lead 15 teenage girls in competitive, high-pressure situations. Um, it can get a little bit intense, to say the least. Um, I and my two incredible assistants try literally as hard as we possibly can, spending hours talking, planning, talking to the girls, coming up with new ideas, trying to do everything we can, but it doesn't always feel like it works. Um, we try though. This is important to the girls. It's important to us. Um, but they also don't always feel like working hard. They can be critical. They're teenage girls. They tend to be a bit emotional and sensitive. I hate to stereotype, but if you, it, so many, about half of us have at least been teenage girls, and so it's okay. It's okay. It's fine to be that way. It's just what it is. Um, our fall season, it just ended a few weeks ago, and last year we won state, and it was like the high of a lifetime. Um, but this year, most of our team is new, young players, half of them freshmen, and they've never been major contributors or had to have this expectation of giving much to anyone on a team before. So no one really quite knew what their role was. It was a tough dynamic, and they didn't really know how to give the team what they needed to give. Us coaches tried every method. We came up with new ideas every day, trying to help them. We're working so hard to prepare them for the matches. We're trying to motivate them. We're trying to encourage them. But it didn't feel like anything changed, and we lost a lot. Like, it was a lot of losing. <laughs> it felt impossible. And we, I felt trapped as a coach. I felt trapped. Everything we did, it felt like the wrong, wrong thing. We were constantly met with resistance and frustration from the girls. Um, one day we'd think we're moving forward. The next day it felt like a crash and burn. Um, and while we got a lot better, had a lot of fun, it didn't ever feel like the potential that I saw in them ever really clicked. So this past week, we had our closing end of the season meetings that we have with each girl individually. And each one of them was sharing their own perspective of the season um, and different situations where they felt trapped and couldn't be their best and didn't know why. And were looking at us going, why, why? I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, they felt trapped by pressure. They were trapped by fear of conflict, fear of disappointing others, fear of the way they would look to their peers and us coaches, trapped mentally because of big, serious issues they're facing at home and in their personal lives and with school. They just felt blocked for some reason or another. These types of moments in our lives can really feel impossible. People around us sometimes make it feel absolutely impossible, and our circumstances can make it incredibly difficult to just be a human. And if we can't even human well, how can we even reflect God well? As I talked to each one of my players, it was so easy for me, even after all of the frustration and difficulties and 
obstacles we were up against, it was so easy for me to just sit there and look at them and just rattle off all of these wonderful qualities that I saw in them. Things that made each one of them valuable and unique and things that we needed and will be an important part of our success as a team in the future. And every single meeting with every single girl went the same direction and we gave all of the girls the same advice in the end. Just be yourself. When you feel trapped, just be yourself because you bear the image of God. But again, this is very easy to say to others. It's easy to see the things in others that are good and positive and well, of course, look, look what you have to offer. You're so great. But I think as adults, it's a lot harder for us to look at ourselves and maybe we know in our heads that it's true, but it's just not so easy to say to ourselves and to actually believe it in a way that changes the ways that we engage with the world. Like my players, every one of us has something that's trapping us. Our jobs, parenting, literal wars happening in the world, heartache, people thinking and speaking the worst of us, our houses are a mess, we have financial pressures, wrong choices we make all the time. No one's satisfied with the opinions that we have, the world demanding that we morph into what their expectations of what they think we should be. So how with all of this around us can we bear God's image well? Well, thank goodness Jesus was a human too. Like Christ, and what he did with the money when the Pharisees tried to trap him, we should grab a hold of those things that are making us feel trapped and ask, whose image is on this? Whose image is on the conflict in the world? Whose image is on your anxiety and the things that bring you anxiety? Whose image is on the issues that are coming against you? Whose image is on the expectations of the world? whose image is on the wrong choices that you've made and whose image is on you. I'm not trying to make an argument for any type of like physical little devil like placing himself on you or forcing bad circumstances in your life or anything like that. I'm just saying here that whatever is on those things that are trapping us, it isn't the image of God while you, on the other hand, the true you that God made you to be, that image of God is all over you. You have a unique imprint of God on you that no one else has. But again, it's easy to think and to know, but how can we see this truth actually be apparent in our lives? How can we truly be God bearers, the bearers of the image of God, if we feel like we're just failing at everything? I think some of the answer is found in these common threads that we see in today's lectionary texts. I think back to the Isaiah text saying, I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. What an image of God just breaking all of those barriers that are around us. I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who called you by name, I, the Lord, do all of these things. And in the epistle, for we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For in spite of persecution, 
You received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all believers. Yesterday was Father Paul's birthday, so in addition to this wonderful light that we got, I um, actually called his close personal friend, Father Rowan Williams, to hear what he had to say about, his, about our identity as Christians. You're welcome and happy birthday, Father Paul. Here's, here's what he shared personally with me. What does the anointed king tell us to do, and how does he give us power to do it? We are to reveal that God, whose authority the king holds, is a God of justice, impartial, universal, and a God who is free to forgive offenses. But we are also to show who God is by the words our king tells us to address to God. We are to call him Father, to speak in intimate and bold words. Our identity is not just about relations with other human beings and our labors to shape those relationships according to justice and mercy. It is about our relation to God and the work of expressing that relation in our words and acts. Christian identity is liturgical in both senses. The work of a people, a community, showing God to each other and to the world around them in daily action and in worship. Our liturgy is both the adoration of God for God's own sake and the service of a world distorted with pride and greed. These ideas are beautiful and inspiring, and again, most of us have known these things for a long time, some of them our whole lives, some of us our whole lives. But when I have a toddler screaming in my face, when I have used every last bit of my energy and I still have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders, when I have to explain the Trinity to your children, (laughs) how can I find the strength to interact with the people who are relying on me, with my family, and the people who I interact with daily in a way that reflects God well? The answer is we're not going to find the strength we have to come to the table. The very being of Christ is with us right here. The very spirit of God is alive with us in this moment. And here we are given the same power that is in Christ. If you're looking for this miraculous strength that I'm looking for, the kind of miraculous strength you need to raise a two-year-old and have a tiny baby and just form a full sentence, that's the kind of strength, that's a miraculous strength. We're only gonna find that here. We're only gonna find it at the table of God. If you are looking to masterfully untrap yourself the way that Jesus did, you're going to need Jesus himself within you. We're not gonna find what we need to untrap ourselves by beating ourselves up for failing, by telling ourselves we aren't worthy of God's image, and we're not gonna find it by striving to behave in a way that others should idolize. The world does not need well-behaved people to idolize. The world needs real humans to reflect a real God. We don't need to prove ourselves worthy to reflect the image of God. We have grace. We have God's unmerited favor. Having grace and reflecting God does not mean that we don't have big struggles. When I face these big time life challenges, I hear 
in my head, I can't do this, I cannot handle this. And at these times, I have to genuinely stop myself and say, I am strong enough to handle this. God is making me strong, God is in me. I have to intentionally and literally verbally resist believing this lie that I don't have enough left in me to bring the world the parts of God that are within me. I'm able to do this not because I know I have the strength personally, because the truth is I know for a fact I do not have the strength. I'm able to do this because I know God is in me. And how do I know God is in me for sure, for sure, for sure? Because I took communion and he's with us in that moment. He fills us there with his goodness, with his light, and with his grace and strength and power that we need to be him to the world. I also know this because I see it happening. Regardless of knowing I have no strength left to offer, somehow the strength, it shows up anyway. Sometimes when I look at myself with grace, I have a God sighting. Instead of seeing every bad thing about me covering up every good thing about God, I see God drawing out every good thing about him that makes up many parts of, or every good thing about him in me that makes up these parts of me and the things that I have to offer the world. And there I see it. I see myself reflecting God. I see myself somehow holding it together when Emmy is throwing a fit. I see myself coming up with new ideas when I think I've tried everything. I see myself showing up and speaking life into these teenage girls that just spent the last nine weeks dancing on what I thought was my very, very last nerve. I see fresh energy where I thought I had not an ounce left. I see myself extending grace to people who have done wrong in me. To me, I, feel my, or I see myself reflecting God when I look at myself with grace. And I know I'm not doing this on my own. So this week, take some time, spend some intentional moments to look at yourself with grace and see that God is in you. See all the places where God was there, jumping out and untrapping you, breaking those rods of iron that you thought were stopping you from moving forward. See all those times that you were able to overcome your circumstances. See the times where you brought joy to someone, where you found a little bit more strength maybe just to get out of bed. See those times where any of the fruits of the Spirit were present in your life. Know that God is in those moments. He's in you. He's giving you power. And that power is being reflected out into the world. Those are God's sightings. We don't have to be perfectly unchaotic. We don't have to have it all together to receive the grace of God. We don't have to do all those things you can be a tornado vortex of chaos and still bear God's image. God knew you were gonna be like this. He's not surprised by our humanity. He was a human and he knows exactly how hard it is to human. He's with us, he's in us. 
We are made in his image. We are bearers of God in the world, whether we think we live up to it or not. So be confident in who you are. Be confident in the image of God that you uniquely bear. Be bold and come to the table to be filled and empowered by Christ. He has all we need to bear his image well. And when you do not see God around you or feel him around you, when you feel like you're drowning, getting sucked into the vortex, look in the mirror and know that you're still here and you are still reflecting the image of God simply because you are yourself and God has chosen you to reflect him. I'll lead you with, leave you with this. God made you, you. No one is better at being you than you are. So come to the table and just be you.